Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Book of Nehemiah, chapter number 6. That's what God gave me when I was reminding him how I didn't have time to get ready for tonight. If you got him, you don't need time. You need time to study. We need to study to show ourselves approved. You need time, but if you'll, if you'll put in the time, when you, when you don't have time, you'll have what you need. So, uh, this is what he gave me today. I pray this will be a blessing to you. It's blessed me today. And I pray it will be a blessing to you. And I'll try not to be just all over the place here. But it, it, it could be easy to do. Nehemiah chapter number 6, verse number 1. If you found it, shout amen. amen. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, I call that the unholy trinity. That's a picture of them right there. And the rest and the rest of our enemies. That wasn't all of them. There's more. Understand this, Christian. You'll never have just one enemy. There's a multitude. It's prince and palities and powers that's against you. And wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Heard that I, that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein. Though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. That Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Uh, I found it interesting that that's exactly how that's said and, and, and spelled in the Hebrew. So it's a perfect translation into the English. Oh no. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work. Whew. Here's what I'm preaching tonight. So that, here's what I'm going to preach. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Father, I love you. Thank you for the night and the time and the place and these that have come. Lord, to be in worship service with us. Now, God, I've come to just share what you put on my heart. Whether it be long or short or all in between, it doesn't matter. God, I just pray your will be done. Sit on my eyes, guard my tongue. Preach me to the glory of my Christ. Bless the people that have gathered tonight, God, with the manna from heaven and feed our souls. <laughs> feed our souls, Lord. <laughs> and be blessed of everything that's said and done for your glory. Save lost people in this room tonight. I would that nobody would leave this building unsaved. No need for people to die, Lord, and go to hell. I pray that every lost person in this building tonight would come and call upon the name of the Lord and be gloriously saved. 
But God, I've come to encourage you, saint, tonight. Now, Lord, help me be Barnabas and do it for your glory. I pray in my king's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you read the book of Nehemiah, if you read Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, you can read these three minor prophets. We're in the minor prophets now. You can read Zechariah, or Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, and you'll have these in the order. Them men were contemporaries at this particular time. They were in here. They were, they were prophesying during this time. Haggai straightened them out, told them to consider their ways. Malachi said, will you rob God? They was trying to help them out. Zechariah gave so much uh, imagery that, that nobody could figure him out. But they're, they're prophesying during this particular time. These are the Jews that have come back, a remnant come back out of Ezra, 50,000, just nearly 50,000, uh, 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 and, that, and that's uh, part of the servants in that as well, containing part of the servants. 50,000 people have come back when Cyrus, which was prophesied 200 years before it happened, Cyrus, uh, uh, Isaiah said there's going to be a guy by the name of Cyrus, and he's going to let them go. Well, that's exactly what happened. A Persian, by the way, uh, he turns them loose, tells them to go back and build the house of God. Uh, Ezra comes back. Ezra builds the house of God. There's a remnant there. Now, most of the Jews stayed in Babylon. They didn't want to come back. They didn't care. They didn't care. They didn't care if there was a house of God or not. They had it made in Babylon. They're doing good in Babylon. God had blessed them in Babylon in spite of their sin. God had blessed them. They're doing well in Babylon. Now, so they, a small remnant comes back. Now, they build the house of God. But it's not near the house that it was in Solomon's day. But they build it just the same. Now, Nehemiah, he stayed, watch this, he stayed in Babylon or there with uh, Shushan's the capital at this time. He stays there in Persia with the king. He could have left. He didn't, he didn't leave. I want you to get a hold of this. God kept him there until it was time for him to go. God kept him there. Well, shouldn't he have went with the others? No. And I'm sure that some of the others questioned, why didn't you come with us? Nehemiah had a government job. He was the cupbearer for the king. But the cupbearer was more than just taking him a, a cup of wine. He was the guy that tasted the wine, tasted his food in case somebody tried to poison him. But he had to be, he had to be good looking, he had to be respectable, presentable. He had to be well-trained and knowledge. So if the king asked advice, he could give good advice. This was all part of the cupbearer's duties as, as working or living and, and serving right next to the king. Now, I've got to get all this in to purge you to know where we're at right here. Nehemiah gets a message. From Hanani, or Hanai, he comes and he has simply asked him, how are they doing in Jerusalem? Now he's got it made. Why would he even care how they're doing in Jerusalem? You know why he cared? Because it was his people. It was his people. 
And when he found out, he heard the report. They're not doing too good. They're in shambles. The walls aren't built. The gates are still burned. It's bad. They're, they're spread out. They're not doing well. It's not what it could be. And you know what it done? It broke his heart. Now I'm preaching. I cannot come down. You stay with me just a few minutes. If it's anything, we ought to look around today and see the shambles. The walls are down. The gates aren't hung. The enemy's having his way. He's running to and fro. And I know, I'm going on record, I know I'm an outdated dinosaur. I'm a nut job that wears white shirts and neckties to preach in. And the modern day church said that is not necessary. That is unnecessary. But I'm going to tell you this tonight in defense of how I dress and what I present. Everybody in this room walked in tonight. There wasn't no doubt who the preacher was. And I don't say that to boast of myself, but bless God, when Nehemiah showed up, there wasn't no doubt who he was. Hey, this is something about this guy. He's got the authority of the king. The, the king has given him governorship over Jerusalem. He's not even been there before, but he heard about it, and he knew they needed help, and he come and he showed up to do the work. King, he looks at the king, sees him sad. What's wrong? You've never been sad, but you know you could get killed for being sad before the king. You come in in a bad mood, he'll kill you. He'll find somebody in a better mood. How about that? That'll change attitudes. And the Bible said that, uh, that Nehemiah was fearful. He feared for his life because he was sad in front of the king. And he said, how can I, be, how can I not be sad? When my people's, my city's destroyed, how can I not be sad? We could use a little sadness. We could use a little sadness. The sadness is what the sadness is what spurred or provoked Nehemiah into doing the work that he's about to do. And the king gives him authority, gives him governorship over there. Though he's never been there before, he showed up and he's in charge, kind of like Urus. He just showed up one day in heaven and, and, and God's going to make him rulers over stuff. Nobody knew who your stone was. He didn't know. He just had a burden. Here's what yours would say. I don't want to see anybody go to that other place. He wouldn't even use the word hell. He'd never been to the city, but they knew who he was when he got there. Nehemiah shows up. Now, three things. Quick, and I'm going to preach about King. Get off one. First, there was the call to the work. You know what called him to the work? The burden. I can assure you this. When my burden leaves for the first free will Baptist church, I'm gone. When I don't care anymore about your kids being saved and your people and your sick people and you in sickness, and when that burden's gone, and God will lift that burden, I just talked, spent time with a friend of mine in West Virginia, and he said, he said just one day, preacher, I can't explain it. He said the burden went away. Now I'm not saying, Mike Blanton said you'll be there until you die. I don't know. I don't know. That's Blanton Prophecy 101. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah. But when the burden's gone, listen, you can't be effective in the work 
when the burden's gone. If you're teaching a class, you better have a burden. If you're singing a song, sing it with a burden. Listen, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Do it with a burden because a burden is what puts us, provokes us into the work that we're going to do. If we don't have a burden for it, we need to give it up. It was the call to the work. Not only the call to the work, but it was the continuing of the work. He wouldn't quit. Oh no means wealth. That word oh no means wealth. So they tried to call him to meet with them in a place of wealth. And it was 20 miles away. So they, not only, they tried to call him out off of what he was doing and get him away from where he needed to be. That's The devil hasn't changed his tactics. He still tries to call you out and get you away from where. Well, somebody hear me tonight. He tried to get you away from where you need to be. Praise God. Find your vineyard. Stay in that vineyard. I'm not in competition. I praise God if he takes everybody but five of you and puts you in another church. I hope you know it's your vineyard. But I want those that should be here to be here. Because the enemy tries to get you come down. Jerry, you remember Daryl Slaughter preaching over here. He preached this message and he titled it Come Off the Wall. I'm preaching it. I cannot come down just like out of the word. Because everybody in this room tonight if this is your church, I believe this is your church. You've been too burdened, too faithful. Bubba, young men, Mike, when he finally figured out his vineyard, he said, Preacher, I think that's, I need to join up. It's where we need to be. Found the vineyard. Found the vineyard. Praise God, found the vineyard. He's going to lay block for me out here when I get Shorty Edwards up here to dig me a ditch if I can ever get him. Found the vineyard. The continued. It's the cold. It's the call to the work. It's the continuing in the work. But then it's the completion of the work. The work can't be completed if you come off the wall. Now, I didn't know this. This, this is nothing what I wrote down before I left the house. Two things that God been instilled in my heart is this. Number one, I can't come down no matter the opposition. The devil's not going to talk me in to coming down. I'm doing too great a work. Do you know? Do you know how great a work that you're doing? Brent, you don't know, son, but you're learning. I've seen you. Your arm around the little man here, showing him the words. In the songbook. What a work. No matter the opposition. I'm too sick to do it. You're not too sick ever to do two things. I know the devil tried to kill me a couple years ago. And I never got too sick. 
It took me a long time to pray, but I could do this. I could still pray. It didn't matter how down I got, how bad I felt in the body. Paul, I didn't run a lap. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't hardly read, but I could pray. I'd crawl under the sewing machine, and I'd pray till I fell asleep, and I'd wake up, and I'd pray some more. You've never been to the place you couldn't pray. You say, I can't do nothing. I'm not doing the work. You can pray. You'll never, until this poor, lispering, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, I can pray. I think it was Moody said when we give we have what we can do but when we pray we have what God can do pray what am I praying about you know what you need to pray about Randy's at home right now watching this on TV. And he'd give, he'd cut his little finger off and be sitting right there in his spot. But he can't be here tonight. But that don't mean he, that doesn't mean he's not still on the wall. Praise the name of God. Still on the wall. And I cannot come down. Listen, no matter the opposition, I cannot, you cannot come down no matter the opposition. Don't worry about the the the, the, the enemy at work or the enemy you face just don't come down he said I cannot well he could have but in himself he said I can't do it I'm staying right here and when the enemy said it don't matter what you do it's not going to be worth building anyway I don't care I'm building it one young preacher come in to C.H. Spurgeon one time and said, Mr. Spurgeon, I would to God that I could have a, a church like you've got. He said, I feel like I'm not getting nothing done. You've got 5,000 people you're preaching to. And, I'm, and Spurgeon said, sir, how many are you preaching to? He said, 150. He said, that's enough to answer for. You'll answer for that. I'll not answer for Wade Stover and what God's call Wade Stover to do I'll answer what he's called Mike McCoy to do I cannot come down now, sometimes I'd like to come down but I cannot no matter the opposition it's one thing when the enemy was the opposition here but then it wasn't just the enemy then it was the brethren that was there with them and the brethren comes against him He said, I don't care. I'm paraphrasing. I don't care who comes against me. I cannot. Say it with me. I cannot come down. When he's trying to get him to come down, he said, here's what you, let's see if I mark this in my Bible. So I won't forget it. See if I mark this. He said, you fight for your brothers and for your sons and for your daughters 
your wives and your houses. That's who you fight for. And it got so bad, it got so bad that they was working with one hand and holding a sword in the other. I got something this evening on that. I got something. You watch this. Let me borrow your book, Bubba. I won't lose you, Bubba. You know what this is? Sword of the Spirit. Amen. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, even dividing of the sunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow of the bone. But as long as they had the weapon in their hand, the enemy never approached them. All he's done was stand back and bark like a howling dog. But he never come up where they was. As long as they had their weapon in this hand, uh, they was able to work with this hand. Or probably most of them is right-handed. And they'd had, to, they'd had the weapon, uh, they'd have been working with this hand and the weapon. They was working with one hand and holding the weapon, the word of God, in the other hand. I, can come, I cannot come down, no matter the opposition. I'm going to fight. If you won't fight for your sons and daughters, I will. I'm fighting for your houses. That's why we preach the word of God to you. Set your house in order, Hezekiah. You're going to die. Am I going to die? He cried. God said, well, 15 more years, and then you're going to die. Don't you? I believe 15 years to the day he fell over a graveyard dead. Fighting, fighting. There's some things worth fighting for. We can't come down off the wall. Now, not a, not, number one, that's a number one. I'll give you those three things. The call, the continuance, and the completion as an introduction. Number one, it was I cannot come down due to opposition. Because it's not just the enemy that it opposes. You understand that. It's church people. Jack Taylor told me this. He's dead and gone. I guess whoever it offends now is just too bad. Jack told me he hadn't been preaching at this pastor in this one church very long. And said, they had a bunch of kids there in the neighborhood and it's too far for them to walk. So he won't buy a church van. We need to buy another. No red's about to lay down on us. We need to consider that, gentlemen, start praying about that. Wanted to buy a church van, and there's, there's one guy that was utterly opposed to it. He said, won't do you no good. You can buy it. There won't be nobody ever riding. It'll sit in the parking lot and rot. Jack said, I just felt compelled that we need to get this. He said, I knew it was in the will of God. He said, so I got, we got there, we bought that church van. And this, this guy opposed him. The opposition can't come off the wall. He opposed him. He said, the first Sunday, they pulled in. That thing is slammed full. Jack said, I never said a word. Said, I never said a word. Said, that guy just stood there watching them kids get off that bus. Said, this one, two, three, there's eight or ten of them. Got off that van, come walking in. He said, praise the Lord. He said, you know what? He said, said no more opposition. Solve the issue. Why? It's bringing people to church. It, it's not about, it's not about, What's Gordon's idea or Mike's idea? It's about getting people in. We can't come down. The work's too important. Glory to God. Look at the young people here on a Wednesday night. And we had the flu pneumonia around here last Sunday. It looked like a nuclear bomb had went off. They wasn't, 
there's a few people here. It's scattered out. But, but look at the young people in this church on Sunday. And, that, and you know what they say? You can't get young people to come singing out of them old red books. You can get young people to come if they fall in love with Jesus. I don't care what you sing out of. If they love the party and the smoke and the lights, you're not going to get that here. But I can promise you this. I'll preach you the Bible. And I won't preach you my opinions. I'll give you the word of God. I'll give you both sides of the fence. You can choose whether you're Armenian or Calvinist. It's up to you. I don't really care. We'll come in here and we'll worship together in spirit and truth. We'll lift the name that's above every name. We'll exalt my Savior. Bless God. You can't come down off the wall. It's too important. I cannot come down due to the opposition. But I cannot come down due to this. My obligation. I am obligated to him. I'm obligated to him. He said, you've been bought with a price. You're not your own anymore. You belong to me. What am I going to do now? Whatever I tell you to do, just do it. Do right and don't worry. It'll be okay. The obligation is this. So, we are obligated, the men are obligated as the head of the house. Girls, don't get mad at me. I didn't write the book. That's what Jesus said. Watch this. Paul said, I'll say Jesus, he is the word. But Paul said this, Paul wrote the letter. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And the reason he done that is so that he might present it to himself a glorious church. That's why. But he, he never told the, husband, the wives to love the husbands. He just said submit. This is talking about an equal partnership. It's talking about the cogs that mesh. It's, if you've got big, big cogs on one and little ones on another, they won't go together. They've got to fit like this. When you get love and you get submission, that thing goes just like that. And these two are one and you, it's going to get it done. But if, you're, if you've got one that doesn't love like Christ loved the church, there'll never be a submitted wife to a husband that doesn't love them. What did he do? Well, he gave himself. What does that mean? That means he loved, he gave her he gave more of her to her than he did for himself. Now, young men, I, I, was, I was selfish in my young age, and I'd done what I wanted to do. And that's how the will of God. I finally recognized my obligation. As I studied and grew in the Word of God, I understood my obligation. I cannot come down because of my obligation. Don't you get this out of order. If you do, it'll train wreck your house. Obligation number one right there. Not Dusty as much as I brag about him. He's in Tacoma, Washington tonight working. Obligation number one. Number two, Dusty. Yeah. 
he and Jobeth together as one. Number three, my little bud, obligation. And when we're dead and gone, it all falls to obligation number three. So he's fat and happy. But if it gets out of order, it's a train wreck. Now, I didn't know I was going down that road. I wasn't even intending to, but here we go. The obligation of Nehemiah was this. I'm completing this job. We complete that. We complete that in our families. But we complete that job in our families. But we won't complete that in our families if we don't complete it in our faith. Are you with me? Is anybody here tonight? Andy Patterson be preaching. He'd say, is anybody alive out there? We complete our obligation to our family by our faith. He knew God had made the way for him to build this wall. And he wasn't coming down off this thing. He was not. I cannot come down. I don't care how much you bribe me, how much you beg me. Four times they come to him saying, come off. How many times the devil come to you saying, come off the wall? Just come off. Come on down. It won't matter. You, that's not that important. Wednesday night church is not that important. Oh, yes, it is. Hey, hey, to you people at home, it's that important. You know what it says to Collins and Campbell? You know what it says to them girls? Priority. Priority is I'm on the wall. How do I know that? Because my daddy said. My daddy not only said, my daddy showed. My daddy showed up after a day's work, difficult, get the kids together. Mama been at the hospital. Tough, hard. I have an obligation. I can't go there. You know why I say I'm still going to church? Because you didn't come off the wall. Fulfilled the obligation. I cannot come down. The devil would like for me to come down. The world would like for me to come down. There's people that know me that would like to see me fall. If Mike McCoy would just fall, I'd have an excuse. It would, it would justify what I do. Just fall. That, you think he only, they only said about Mike McCoy? Junior Swafford, if you'd just fall, half that mountain would over and say, I knew it. He faked it all them years. He never really had it. It wasn't real. But bless God. One of these days, if time tarry and I live as long as Junior, I'll see his hands folded across his chest. I'll stand behind that box and Junior's body will be in it. And I'll say, I'll tell you this about Junior Swafford. He fought a good fight. Hey, he finished his course and he kept the faith. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, fulfill your obligation. You cannot come down. So I'm praying this morning. I'm quitting right here. I'm just going to quit. I'm, I'm praying this morning. 
I'm thinking about this wall which is around the city of Jerusalem. And everything you see is a shadow of the true. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? When it's the workings inside Jerusalem, it's a shadow of the true. There's a, you understand there's a new Jerusalem coming, don't you? So we have that. I'm praying, and I know where I'm preaching this morning. I knew before I went up to the hospital. And my mind went to the scripture, and I just laid there and wept. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, talked with me, saying, Come hither, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. I'm going to show you the bride. Get this. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that city. When he went to look for the lamb's wife, I'm going to show you the lamb's wife, the bride. He didn't pick out a person. He didn't show, you know what he showed him? The city. You know why? You know who makes up the city? We do, people. We make up the city. You don't know, Brandon, but you, son, you just got in business on the wall. And you're building up something. That's another piece of the wall. These young ones in here tonight are pieces of the wall. Gracie gets up and sings tonight. Now, I don't know. Did I get it right? Was it Gracie? It was Gracie, not Jack. She gets up here and sings tonight. Now, I don't know if she's ever called on the Lord or believed in the Lord, but she's S-A-F-E right now and maybe not S-A-V-E-D. We don't know. But she'll come to that knowledge one day and God's going, God's going to use her because, you know what? Because she has a, she's got a tender spot in her heart for God. And God's going to put her in the wall. That's going to be part of the city. I would to God that every child in this room tonight would be part, would get on the wall and be part of the city. But God won't make you do it. He didn't make Nehemiah do it. Nehemiah had a, he had a conviction. Nehemiah had a choice. Nehemiah chose. He could have stayed there in the government job and got an easy retirement and lived fat and happy that day in the, for the rest of his days in the king's province. But he had a burden. And he was broken over his people. And he had something to build. Is that you, Jewel? Come, Jewel, come pay for Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.